Hey everyone, Sandy here popping in to let you know that for the month of January, we are re-releasing some of our most popular episodes from 2019. And we're doing this because behind the scenes, we are planning an exciting new relaunch of our podcast with a brand new name and a slightly brand new direction. It's all happening in early February. In the meantime, come join us on Instagram at Namastream to be the first to know about the new podcast and we might even sneak peek some of our new branding. For now, enjoy this episode and be on the lookout early February for our new show. Ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 133. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Jenny. Hi, everybody. Today, we're talking about women and money again. I love it, though. I love, love, love this series. It's been so inspiring to listen to women, and I just want to keep going. I think we might. Yeah. Well, so this episode today is really about mindset. So one thing that's happened since we've started airing these episodes is the feedback that we've received. So many people have been moved in one way or another to either share their story with us or to reach out and thank us for sharing ours or to comment on the the different interviews that we've been having in this lineage. And what's become really clear to us over the past month or so has just been there are a series of mindset shifts that I think are helpful to take on if you want to find success as an entrepreneur. And these are shifts that we've had to make ourselves and that we've worked with our clients to make over time as well. And we just wanted to kind of riff on them a bit in the podcast today. There are four, I think we're going to talk about four different mindset shifts or mindset issues that we see popping up over and over again in our inboxes and on social. And, you know, in instead of just having these conversations one-on-one, I think it's important publicly to have the conversations in our community here and online because these are the same conversations. Like we're all having the same fears and doubts and self-sabotage running in our minds. And so rather than pretend like the problem is only yours or mine, let's just collectively air these issues so that we can start as a community to move past them. We've also heard from our inner circle members that they never actually thought about their money stories, which is so interesting. Like here they are trying to make business and they're like, wait a second, I don't actually know what my 
background, my beliefs are. And so it's opened up, as you said, so many conversations. So it's, it's really, really exciting. And I think part of why I'm just loving this series is just the feedback that we're getting is so cool. Yeah. It's All right. Fun. First one, Jenny, is the upper limit problem. Okay. So we have talked about this in an episode long, long ago. And I don't remember which one, but you can go listen to all of our episodes and you'll find it. And it was taken from the book, The Big Leap by Guy Hendricks. Gay Hendricks? Gay. Mm-hmm. Gay Hendricks, not Guy Hendricks. Sorry, Mr. Hendricks for the <laughs> butchering of your first name. But it's essentially this idea that whatever we surround ourselves with defines the limitations that we naturally have on our success, right? So what you grew up around and what you surround yourself around as an adult is going to sort of define the container that you fit in. And so we're basically building these false upper limits or false glass ceilings for ourselves without trying to. And it's not useful. And so that book is well worth a read. I think that I should read that book every six to 12 months. It's one of those books. It's one of those classic books. It's like coloring, like always coloring within the lines. And then the moment that you go outside, people are like, oh, no, no, stay within the lines, right? Because you feel like you don't fit in. There's no definition for this new version of you. If you expand beyond what is known, whether that's just in your mind or your family's mind. And there was this comment, Jenny, in our inner circle, one of the threads in the community. And someone said, after listening to our first episode about our money stories, she said, I realized I'm setting ordinary goals. And I thought that is, first of all, a great understanding of what is happening in her own mind. But it's like, how many of us out there are just setting ordinary goals, which I think is the same thing as, as Gay Hendricks describes as, as, you know, staying out of the upper limits, like staying it within your limits. And so like this idea of like just an ordinary goal, it's like safe, it's you know, like no one's going to be talking about it if I reach it. It's just doable. It's just ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I want people to listen to these episodes and feel like they can do something extraordinary and that we're not okay with ordinary and that ordinary is every day and ordinary is easy and it's, there's no you know, room for fear if it's ordinary. And I think that's, that's part of the reason we stay within our, our limits is that we, it's scary to go outside, it's scary to go where no one else has gone before. And it's scary to go where no one else has gone before because there's no examples. And I think part of this series is showing you the examples of what can happen, bringing you Kelly Deals and Emily Williams. And next week, we're going to have Claire Pelletro on the podcast. Absolutely. We also just had a separate side conversation about gratitude that I think for me relates to this idea. Because when I was younger, I didn't have a natural upper limit problem. And I think that as children, we don't. You ask a little child what they want to be when they grow up and they say an astronaut or the president or the prime minister or, you know, a deep sea diver with sharks or whatever it is that they're dreaming of becoming. And there's no upper limit problem. They don't self-limit their goals and their dreams. And when I was little, I wanted to be an environmental lawyer. I wanted to go to Stanford. I didn't go to Stanford. I went somewhere else, like equally as good of a school, go bears. And then I just realized I looked around at my life and I have that. Like I became an environmental lawyer and I live in this like beautiful, amazing remote island. Like I built the life and then I decided to become, wanted to become an entrepreneur and I did all the things. And I think because some part of me is still very deeply connected to that little girl that had these dreams that I just refused to self-impose 
the limits that in that area. I have lots of other ways that I've self-limited myself. But I think that if you are one of those people in your career that is suffering from this upper limit problem, which we all do at times, I think that one easy trick to think about for getting out of those limits is to think about what you wanted when you were little. And that's why I think a lot of coaches help you walk through thinking back and remembering who you were before you decided to put limits on yourself. I think for this, it's really helpful to look at the past money beliefs. Like, what did you learn as a child? Like, what were you told? Because I think a lot of people end up making the same amount as their parents. Or if like they make 100,000, then 100,000 is my limit. If, you know, if you had heard phrases like, you're never going to make that kind of money, like as a beautiful car goes by and you're like, I want that car. And your parents say, you'll never make that kind of money. That's all part of this past money beliefs. And so to look at those is a really interesting exercise to just start writing everything that you can remember about learning about money as a child. And I think you'll see that we all have these limits. Maybe Jenny is the exception, but it's like, we've been told, we saw things, we witnessed things, we heard things, we were told things and it's like, we believe them. And it's our job today to break out of these ordinary goals. Like let's set big, scary goals. And we're going to talk more about our last point will be some advice on how to set some short-term and long-term goals. But I think it's a really interesting question. Do you have an upper limit problem? Are you selling yourself short? Are you stopping you know, short because you don't believe or you've never been told you can? And I think you can. You absolutely can. Yeah. Please don't wait for someone else's permission. Okay. Backtracking, Sandy, were you told you couldn't have the car? Yeah, I think so. I don't remember, but that's a familiar story. Like, I love that house. Well, you'll never, you know, like nobody makes that kind of money. Like it's such a (laughs) rare exception to have be able to afford that kind of house. Yeah. Like, do you want to know what my mother said to me when I would say I wanted something fancy? (laughs) What? You have to marry rich. Oh. So I think a lot of little girls hear hear that story. I don't know how common, but I know I'm not the only one that heard that story, which infuriated me as a child. I think that's part of why I refuse the limits. Like, I think we should, that's where these stories are so important, right? Like you need to to do the work to dig back in your own story. I think I would have had a very different reaction if I had heard the story you heard versus you have to marry rich because I was like, no, (laughs) because I think all children are naturally feminists. And so like that is that creates like, (laughs) you know, an activist child maybe. But yeah, I mean, I think like the root of the problem, though, is that we're surrounded by certain people who live certain lifestyles, and that helps to shape what we think is possible. And when we see the other, it's like there's this, it's almost like a tribal acknowledgement, like that's for a different kind of person, right? Like that's how a different kind of person lives. That's not how my people live. And I think that's like an instinctive reaction to that, that a lot of people use to Mm self-contain, you know, their dreams. I think it was Emily Williams in her conversation said, but why not you? Like every person that has wealth at that car, that house or money, unless they inherited it, they earned it. Like they at one point had what, what all of us have are just these dreams and ideas and they didn't limit. And they, so why not us? Like, why not? Like that just, if someone else can do it, then we can do it. Okay. So let's talk about that because I think that feeds into one of our other points. So the why not us, I think that, so part of that is you have to decide that you want it, right? And so 
you have to commit to it and then you have to take action. So there's this one thing, this pattern that I've noticed so much in the entrepreneurial space, especially among women. That's just who I have the most familiarity with in our market and in sort of the business world. But there's this idea of vision and there's this idea of action. And so, oh my goodness, so many people in our community are so good at the vision. They're so good at the vision boards and the meditating on it and the imagining what your life will be and sort of daydreaming, manifesting, like all of that. We're like, so many of us are really good at that. And so, and then there's the other side, which is the action side. And I see a lot of that in the startup world. Like we were immersed in the action taking like 24 hours a day workaholic action taking side of it as well that like kind of totally lacks the vision. (laughs) You know, that's just like, just do it. Because don't think, just act, just keep going faster, 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 higher, 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 more, 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 right? So there's that side of it. And really the beauty, like the beautiful thing to do in business, the thing that works is to have some combination of both of those things in balance. And I think like, I mean, that's what we all want is balance, right? That's what we as humans want. That's what like nature needs. That's what like everything is in the whole world all the time is striving for balance. And it's so easy for me now, just obviously not to always see the imbalance in myself, but to look at another person and to see their imbalance like, oh, you are way too action focused and not enough vision focused or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point because any result that you get, any outcome is 100% going to be related to the action that you took. And I don't think we can emphasize that enough. Jenny and I are not people who will believe in sitting in front of a vision board and that just comes true, that it just comes sailing into our lives. It's not what we've experienced. And it's about action. And I think the visioning part of it, this like, let's manifest this. I think that's the commitment side. Like I am going to do this. I want it really badly. Why not me? You know, I have this dream. I have this goal. I want it. I want it. But there has to be rooted in a why, like a really deep reason that you keep going, that when it gets hard, you can remind yourself of that reason and that makes you take the next step. Mm -hmm. And so that commitment part is in some way fairly easy, you know, but it's the action part or those difficult things you have to learn or conversations you have to have. Like the action part isn't all fun and easy. It's like a struggle and it can be hard and frustrating and up and down, but that commitment has to drive the action to get the result. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that the vision is equally important. And I I just think that in our community, the vision is like disproportionately kind of always there. Like we're really good. Like our kind of people, the people we work with are really good at visioning. And I see that, you know, I do see if I, like I've made, I don't know, three or four vision boards in my adult life. I mean, and that's basically what Pinterest is, right? Pinterest is a vision board tool. And so we all have like these Pinterest vision boards all the time as well. And I can look though at like the paper and paste vision boards that I made throughout my adult life and like just for fun. And I like see them in my reality. Like my reality 10 years later looks a lot like those vision boards, which sort of freaks me out to be honest, because like, you know, you make them and sort of like look at them for a while and put them on the bulletin board. And then I like put them away and then I take them out, you know, eight years later without having looked at it. And it kind of does come true. And that's a little bit amazing, but also because I work my freaking tail off every day of my life. And to make my dreams come true. I don't need to necessarily cut and paste it on a piece of cardstock to do that. But I think that the fact that I've defined what my dreams are has definitely helped me to achieve them because otherwise I would be in that other camp 
a busy bee Virgo action taker, you know, intense human being just striving constantly. I've had two people in the last two months tell me how industrious I am, which I took to be maybe an insult. <laughs> I don't know if that's something you would, I would never say that. That's like, what, a bee? You say that about like a honeybee? Industrious. But industrious? I'm like, oh God, I hope that's not what people think. But anyway, if you don't have the vision, then you're just like a busy bee, like trying stuff and failing and trying stuff and failing. And it just kind of, won't get you very far unless you have the massive vision that inspires you to take action toward a specific goal or dream. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. And I would say in our community that people, they do have the vision of what they want, like how they want to create this new business online, but I don't think they set high enough goals for themselves for the money part. And I, to make a general statement, I think they really, I guess you said, really, really lack on the action part. And that to me is frustrating. And that kind of works into our next point about playing victim, sort of falling into the shadow side of that archetype victim. And this just drives me crazy. You know how this is. You hear me talk about it all the time. But for example, we will get in our inbox, not clients, but people who are looking at Nomstream to start an online business and say things like, if I join and I don't make enough money, can I get out of Nomstream? First of all, of course you can. But what's wrong with that question is like, if I start this thing and like, if the universe doesn't deliver the money that I need to see, can I get out of it? And I just want to shake that person and say, the question you should be asking is, I have this vision, I have this goal, I have this dream of starting an online business. What do I need to do to make sure that this is profitable? But instead mm -hmm. they say, what happens if I fail? You know, that's the thought that's driving you. You are going to fail. If you're worried about not making enough and it not working, you just want to kind of try it, sort of sample it and, you know, try it on for size, see what happens. You're going to fail. I think it's those that say, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to figure it out until I get there. Those are the ones that succeed. And so to me, that's like this victim of like, here I am universe, lay it on me. What are you going to deliver to me or not deliver? And then they decide whether to stay or to go based on what happens. And it's like, they're not taking ownership for what they want. And I think you could figure it out. If this is what you want, you can figure it out. You ask about what extra courses? Do you want to join our inner circle? Do you need to join a mastermind? Do you need to do a networking group? Do you need another course of some, whatever it is, there's, there's no shortage of places to learn how to do it. So that's my little rant about victim. Well, I totally agree. I mean, absolutely. I would say that there's this sense, okay, so once someone signs up for something and it's just any class or any course or any program or any tool or whatever, you have this idea that I signed up, I took the action. And my response is always, that's one action and a sea of thousands of actions that are necessary for success. Like it's this first step, it's deciding kind of publicly, right, to take a chance on something because you've put your name down, you've put your name on the list, 
you made a payment for something, whatever it is, you enrolled, you did something, you took an action, like the first step. But so often that as a culture, we glorify the first step and that we don't pay And we, we also glorify the finish, whatever that is, the medal, the victory, the crossing the finish line. But we don't talk about the thousand to 100,000 steps and moments that go between here and there. And that's really where success or failure happens. And I think that there's this idea that we've talked about too, Sandy, where like people who do take that first step and they do take a chance, they think that that's all they needed to do and not necessarily the thousand other steps that it takes to find success. And, you know, everyone has a success that looks different than everyone else's. And so there's no perfect blueprint to take. Like you're always going to have to look at an example, look at a look to a mentor, look at a program. And you can see a lot of tips and tactics that can save you time. But your story and your situation and your program or product or offering is always going to be your own. And so you're going to have to figure out how to tweak or adapt any formula or system to make it work for you. And I think that that's the other piece of it, too, is like there's this sense of I don't want to have to do that. I mean, no one wants to have to do that, but the gift is doing it. Like that's the greatest gift to yourself. And we talk about this too, Sandy, where I love to harp on this idea that entrepreneurship is this path to liberation. And I really believe that entrepreneurship is the most amazing tool for freedom, liberation, but also self-actualization that I've ever encountered. It will just give you all of the things you need, like to give you all of the tests and trials that you need to learn the lessons that you need to learn in order to become the next version of yourself. And so the, all of those hard parts and those tricky parts and bits, that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And it's the journey of who you will become. That is what you should drive you to that goal. And it's just like, imagine who you are going to be. Imagine what your life is going to be like as you get there. And if you go kicking and screaming, it's not going to happen. But if you can sort of enjoy this process and really like love this new person that you're turning into, that's when you're going to see the results. But it's 100% related back to the actions that you take. Yeah. And you have to want it. Like you have to want, like you can't just want the end results. I think a lot of people who are on a journey, some sort of journey in their emotional states or physiological states, like they want the result. And what will set you apart and what will create a pathway for success for you is that you also want the journey itself. Like you have to want the whole thing. And I do like to the extent that there is this law of attraction, there is this magnetism and this ability to manifest. I think it's that like, do I want to take this on in my life? Do I want to commit to this process? Do I want to go through the journey that gets me from here to there? Because that's that's what you have to draw yourself towards, not just some end result. Like that's that whole idea where people win the lottery and then they like blow all the money within two years, right? And they're still miserable. Like because they didn't go through the journey to build the wealth. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't have the tools they need. They didn't do the work. Yeah. I think for me, what drives me is this like improved version or better version. Not that I think that there's something wrong with me right now, but it's like, how can I get even better? How can I be even more remarkable as we grow this business and as we learn and as we take the action? I think that is really, really exciting. This sort of evolution of a person. Mm -hmm. Well, and how can I live a more remarkable life? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's like you shift as a human being, Sandy, but then you're like, 
your life shifts, what's available to you in your life shifts. Like when you don't have an employer, when you don't have to rely on some external force to validate your existence in the world, when you can make your own money and do it from anywhere. I mean, because that's what this kind of business entails, right? And that's what we've seen over and over and over again with our community and with our colleagues and our friends. And you don't have those barriers to your lifestyle anymore. So you get to really decide what your life is like every day. Like, what do you do when you wake up? And what do you eat? And where do you go? And we all have responsibilities, sure. But you have so much more choice and so many more options available to you when you take this on and reach a certain milestone of success. And to me, like, as a person that loves freedom and bucks authority, that is worth everything. But you have to decide if that's worth it to you. It is. It absolutely is. I know it is. I know it's worth it to you, Sandy. Uh (laughs) That's why we're in this together. Let's talk about goal setting. You wanted to share something that we heard Bill Gates say. So what Bill Gates says is that most people underestimate what they can do in 10 years, but overestimate what they can do in one year. And I think that's absolutely true. I think that we want to see a quick, massive win, or we we create meaning around that that says this wasn't meant for me, or I'm not good enough, or this isn't my time, or whatever story you tell yourself. And so you never get to the point where you achieve those snowball effect of your goals. And I mean, we have seen this play out absolutely. Like I would say the first three years were pretty slow, like learning a new set of tools, learning how to run a different kind of business becoming an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur taking that on. Like, wouldn't you say that like this, this was a slow process. And then there are these inflection points that happen, which we've talked about in other shows, where all of a sudden change and growth happens really fast. But it took us years to get to that point where we could have those inflections. And it would be so heartbreaking to me knowing what I know now, if I had given up at any of those points where I can seriously considered giving up, I never would have seen the success and the kind of massive quick growth that has happened. And it's not quick by the startup world standards, right? I mean, this company in its current state is like three and a half years old. And from when we started it as a baby little company, five years old now, but To me, to be able to achieve what we've achieved in that amount of time, like if I really zoom out and look, you know, look at like a regular ordinary person that's not like a startup founder, it's amazing, right? And so, and I I think that I fear that so many people never get to see those inflection points of success because they give up too soon. And so that's just aligned with what Bill Gates says. I think that the part of the reason is the expectations of what should happen in that first year, that there should just be piles of money, that they should just all these random strangers on the internet find them and buy their program. And that's just not what happens. So you need to be really realistic about that first year. We want to set a goal that is, you know, high, but doable because you don't want to be discouraged, but you have to be realistic about it. So the way that we like to think about it is Think about that 10-year goal because your mind is not limited. It feels so far out that you can really start to set something, set a big goal that's like, you know, audacious, big. And you can set it for your 10-year and then you just work back. What what does that mean at five-year? What does that mean at one-year? And I think that's a really great way to do it. But the expectation on the internet is that it's easy to make money and it comes in fast and it comes in, you know, 
buckets of money in a couple of months, that is not the case. And I think there's this whole internet, Facebook ads, the culture, the Instagram posts are, you know, feeding us some lies about what is it really like. So mm-hmm. I think there's a warning there to have, just check your expectations, you know, what can happen in that first year. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before too, Sandy, that internet business is becoming much more like regular business. And I think that's good because we've been living in a bubble for a decade with online business. And so it's becoming just much more legitimate and normalized. And, you know, just like I I met my husband online and we were like the only people at that point that like met each other online when we got married. And it was super weird. I was really embarrassed. And now this is just like the way people meet each other. And it's the same thing with the internet business. I think it for a long time was kind of shameful and weird. And I remember when I first got into online business, I was a little mortified. I didn't want anyone in my regular life to know I was building an online company, like I was embarrassed by it. And now obviously it's normalized. And I think because of that normalization, there have been shifts in online business that have made these businesses behave more like offline businesses. Like we're seeing more and more people running them like offline businesses, hiring traditional employees. We're seeing the growth rates and the trajectories of businesses look more like offline businesses. Now the beauty with online is that you still don't have the same kind of overhead that you do with a physical brick and mortar or clinical business. But the the actual way you can project your growth looks a a lot more like an offline business. But you also have more access to capital because these businesses are considered more legitimate. I mean, it's just becoming more of a regular thing. And because of that, like it, it doesn't operate where you can sell a bunch of like $1 courses and make a million dollars your first year because now the market is more saturated. Um, there's more quality control. Like people know that <laughs> there's differences in quality with what they're buying. And so it's not just because like you're the only one. So you're going to sell all the things to all the people. Like, that's not how it works anymore. But I think that's great because we can look at our companies like they're regular businesses. We can use the same kinds of tools and strategies that we all like that are readily available in libraries and bookstores. And, you know, it's just, it's a business. It's a regular business now. Yeah, absolutely. It is a regular business. And yeah, I think it's, I'm proud of what we've done. And and I know most of the people around me in my life don't know what I still do. don't, I don't know. I know, it, I know. But <laughs> still, but it's a online. little more normalized now, right? Well, you're helping to educate them. Yeah, same, absolutely. Same. I mean, I think like for the first two or three years, like nobody had any idea what I was doing. Like nobody in my life. Like I still, like people are like, so what? What is it? How does it? Like how do you get money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like as if money doesn't exist digitally, even though that's like everything we buy is online. You know, it's like this whole idea of like, but. But how, where does the money part come from? Like, well, yeah, you know, you don't only make money from selling a widget. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like a widget's not the only thing. Yeah. So it's just fascinating, right? But for everyone, I mean, I just want to say though, that the barriers are so much lower and the overhead is so much lower, but the rest of it is basically the same. And so the profit and loss stuff is the same. The accounting is the same. The The legal entities are the same. Like all of those things are the same. The mindset is the same. The upside is much better. I mean, in terms of the long-term 10-year audacious growth potential, when you don't have a ceiling on your growth, that's amazing, right? Because with offline businesses, there's a ceiling based on how many outputs you can create with the widgets, you know, like how many resources it takes to make the widgets or how many hours in a day for you to see people one-on-one or whatever, how many classes you can teach. Like there are physical 
limits. All right, let's wrap this up and we'll do the joy and hustle. So the joy is... So the joy for today is a YouTube channel that we've been admiring. And we heard the founder of this channel interviewed on another podcast. And I think we just really took to her. I think she's really compelling. And it's the channel's name is One Big Happy Life. And it's all about personal finance. And so it's really different than what we do. But it's also an online business. And I think it's amazing to see a regular family and show regular family and they're very honest about their finances and paying off debt and how they live. And they're also building a business around sharing this information and this education. And so their videos are really helpful and entertaining and interesting. And they have a great opt-in, which is a budget spreadsheet, which is good. I downloaded it and it's the great little spreadsheet for tracking your yearly and monthly budget. Yeah, it is really good. I also downloaded it and it is excellent. Like you could make that, but she's got it all done. Formulas. You don't want to, it'll take you like a whole day to make that with all the formulas. It's it's really good. It's really good. Okay. And the hustle is we're going to bring a hustle back that we've used in a previous episode. And that is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It is just so good. I have it in audio. It's very short. It's easy to listen to. It's so worth it. It is so worth it to kind of get your head around this upper limit and identify it and just be aware of it so you can push past it. That's right. All right, folks, we will see you next week for another Women and Money episode. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Be extraordinary. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.